0: Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. It's your business to know about the law and how it's affecting every aspect of your life. It's your business to know about what's happening that's really important in the media front, particularly as it relates to the law. And so that's why I'm really excited about uh, John O'Connor joining our uh, media team here. Uh, He'll be doing uh, reoccurring commentaries on business, the law, the political front, and the media. And we're delighted to have him join us. Uh, he's distinguished in uh, the legal perfection. Uh, he is an experienced trial lawyer practicing law in San Francisco since the early 70s. And he has tried cases in state and federal courts throughout the country. He served as an assistant U.S. attorney in Northern California representing the United States in both criminal and civil cases. But he may be best known for his work as the attorney of Mark Felt, whom most of you know as Deep Throat in the uh, Watergate uh, situation. And uh, he became very familiar with the role of the Washington Post in Watergate in his representation of Mark Felt. And so uh, he brings a lot of experience. He also wrote briefs regarding uh, Patty Hearst, the United States versus Patty Hearst, and really had himself involved in some of the biggest lawsuits of the uh, 20th century, representing the uh, federal government uh, in the vast majority of those cases. So we're delighted to have him. He's going to be bringing his interesting insights uh, every other week here on the Price of Business show. You can learn more about him and his work at postgatebook.com. That's postgatebook.com. And that's the name of uh, the, the book that uh, he talks about most often. It relates to media, Postgate. And, again, that's postgatebook.com. All right, with that, John O'Connor.
1: Thanks, Kevin. The Price of Business has asked me to speak on the effects of an ideologically partisan medium. Societies succeed and thrive or not based on the survival narratives they adopt. We know from history that the most unsuccessful societies are those whose narratives are ideologically driven, coerced on the people from above, often with thought police. We need only mention the starving Ukrainians under the Soviet Union, the North Koreans forced to eat rats and starve, the hundreds of thousands of people killed under Pol Pot, the heads from the guillotine in revolutionary France. America, in contrast, has always been based on freedom of speech, of thought, of debate. It enshrines free speech and prohibits the establishment of ideological religious narratives. As a result, America has been the healthiest, wealthiest, most military-strong, morally admirable, freest country that has ever existed, but in recent decades culminating in the present. A small but influential portion of society has attempted to coerce narratives from the top, often using the media as thought police, and most importantly, stifling free speech, debate, and dissent. Let us consider now what the major problems are facing our society. The climate agenda, which seeks to spend trillions with an uncertain result. The border problem, the problem with election safeguards. A budget with a $33 trillion deficit, drug deaths daily, homelessness. These are just a few of our existential problems, but each one of these problems involves false or unwise narratives, and more importantly, a coercion and a stifling of dissent and debate where better narratives can be fully discussed and brooded about so that we can solve these problems. These unwise and false narratives and the squelching of dissent are enforced by a very ideologically partisan media. Let's think about it. If you wish to discuss whether carbon dioxide is really the terrible, evil substance that is purported to be, and not a healthy building block you are considered a climate denier. You are shamed. If you decide that you want to discuss what election safeguards we should implement pursuant to bipartisan suggestions of some years ago, That then you are an election denier. If you want to have strong police enforcement, well, maybe you're a racist or a white supremacist. If you decry chaos at the border, well, then you're a chauvinist or a fascist. How did we get this way where free speech and dissent are now looked down upon by the media. It used to be that we had shows like Crossfire, Firing Line, Point Counterpoint, newspapers and television encouraged debate. What happened to us? The answer begins with Watergate. Watergate was our nation's most impactful scandal, perhaps the world's most impactful scandal, where the president of the world's strongest country, overwhelmingly re-elected, was driven from office. He was driven from office, that is Richard Nixon, by journalism. Journalism showed in Watergate that it can control the politics of a country. How is it related to the present? When Watergate began, there were headlines, there were shocking who, what, when, where details, but that did not move the needle. The polls in the first few months of Watergate did not go against Richard Nixon. It is only when the Post developed a broad-ranging, comprehensive narrative of conservative evil did the tide turn against Richard Nixon. The result was that the reporters owned the story, the paper owned the story, and it got riches, fame, and honor as a result of it, hit movies and hit books. Young people then flocked to journalism to change the world. If you want to change the world, you have to join a team. And if you're going to be a great journalist, you have to have a broad narrative of conservative evil. People do not change the world toward a conservative fashion. And if you own a story, You do not wish to have it contradicted by these ugly things called facts. So rather than serving as a forum for debate by putting all the facts out there and letting the citizens decide in a democracy, the the news media imposes narratives on us and tries to coerce us into believing those narratives. If you want to be a journalist and you have an independent streak you're going to have trouble getting a job. When a reporter for the New York Times began to question whether or not the Duke lacrosse team had really raped a young woman, he was reassigned. This is a battle between freedom of speech and debate and squelching speech and debate. Yes, there's an ideological divide in our country, but they are not equal and opposite. One half of the country wants to discuss and debate. The other wants to coerce narratives. The great poem William Blake said, there is a marriage between heaven and hell. The great Oxford Don C.S. Lewis said, Well, if there's a marriage between heaven and hell, I'm here to announce the great divorce. We must all stand up for our rights of free speech and debate and not be cowed or shamed into speaking our opinions.